Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. Following his dismissal from Kajagugu, lead vocalist Lamal was gifted a song by the father of disco to be the theme of an iconic kids' fantasy film. Chasing Fletcher Allen co-writer and star Heidi Cox joins us this week to discuss the swamps of sadness, rock biters, and Lamal's catchy theme, The Neverending Story. Ah, 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 ah. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder? 
right, Heidi, as we were discussing off mic, this is the sweatiest I've ever been for an episode of One Hit Thunder because I lost track of the time, got directly off the treadmill, and started recording this podcast with you. But it makes sense because much like the three bullies that are running away from Falcor, we are talking about the song Never Ending Story today. And I can't believe it's taken this long to talk about this song. Amazing song. It is such a great song and that's such a good, I don't know, I don't want to say comparison, but like it's a deep cut. Good call. I mean, it could also be reminiscent of a tree's journey. He got very dirty and sweaty before he met Falcor, going through the swamps of sadness with Artex. One of the worst parts of the movie, but also the most moving. We got to talk about that scene. I (laughs) see that referenced as the most traumatic point of so many people's childhood. And we might as well just talk about it right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) Get it out of the way. uh, yeah, is Atreyu watching, what was this horse's name? Artex. Artex. Watching Artex sink in the Swamp of Sadness. The was that what it was called? The Swamps of Sadness, yes. Yeah. On their yeah. way to see the ancient one. What a weird movie, first of all. <laughs> it's the what best, a- though. It is good. It is really good, but so strange that it was so normal. Uh, <laughs> as a kid, I didn't realize what a crazy movie that was. One of the, and and I, I have to say this right off the start here, one of the worst sequels I've ever seen to a movie too. Oh, yes. R.I.P. Jonathan Brandis and everything, but what a terrible sequel to the movie, but amazing original movie. And it had an amazing soundtrack, obviously. And once again, that's a song we're talking about today, sung by Limal, who was a one-hit wonder, kind of, kind of a one-hit wonder. Well, I mean, As he was solo, right? Like, because he went, yes. he got, did he kick, he get kicked out of his band or something? They were like, get out. He he got kicked out so, I didn't realize how short the time frame was <laughs> until I did research. <laughs> but he joined the band. So this is the time frame I found. He joined, was it Kajagugu, I think right. is how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. He joined that band, had a chance encounter with Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran and convinced him to produce their first single, Too Shy. That was released in January of 1983, and he was kicked out of the band by the middle of 1983. Wow. And already starting his solo career by 1984. What happened? I didn't, I I guess it's probably none of our business, but. Well, so I did a little bit of research on that too, because I was like, that is a really short time frame. His press release was, I've been betrayed by my family. Like that's how he felt about everything. He said they were upset that I made them successful. (laughs) But the band said that the musical direction was just, he wanted to do, the way they said it was, we just wanted to play tunes and he wanted to be in the bright lights of celebritydom. So I don't know Mm. if that necessarily means like he was a diva or if that literally means like, hey, like we formed this band and we were content just playing tunes and he wanted to be way more bigger than we were. You know what I think it was, Matt? What? I think the rest of the band was too shy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he really had a drive for performing under names that are really hard to pronounce. Yeah, Kajagugu. I mean, it sounds like he had a real whirlwind. He had the hit with Too Shy by Kajagugu. Within two years, he wrote the theme song to, I mean, Matt, you might know. Heidi, maybe you know too. I actually don't know. So I was a kid. I love Never Ending Story, but I don't remember it being in theaters and stuff. I just remember Mm. it always being on TV. Was this Mm -hmm. a movie that became popular 
after the fact or was it popular upon release? Because I don't know. All of the above, I think. I mean, I didn't see it in the theater either. I don't think I even saw it on a big screen until three or four years ago when Jonathan and I went to Cinespia, which is a thing here in L.A. where they project, you know, classic movies on the mausoleum at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That was the first time I'd seen it on a big screen, but I think it was pretty popular. It was definitely during a time where something as weird as this was making money. Because you have to remember that this was like, the year before this was Kroll, the year after this was Labyrinth, Mm -hmm. Dark Crystal was somewhere. Like Mm -hmm. early 80s to like 86 was prime time for like, fantasy Fantasy. film for kids Mm -hmm. like this is so much better than labyrinth oh wow i I don't know look that's a hot take i like both (laughs) i like both so much in different ways for different reasons but i just remember being a little girl and wanting to like pull my hair back so tight as tight as i possibly could so i could look like the childlike empress and I can't remember her name, but I follow her on Twitter, and I think she follows me back now. Tammy something. What is her name? What is the name? Right now, she's such a she's very sweet. I'm talking about um, in the movie. In the movie, what's the name? Well, he has to give her a new name, but we don't know her old name. Is it like Star Child or something like that? Moon 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 Child. Something, yeah, something like that. Very hippie. Very hippie. Child. His mother, his mother who passed away, who he lost, and he's grieving. So he locks himself in the attic and of the school and reads the book. His mother's name is Moonchild? I think it was something like that. I'm going to actually, if y'all his, care. his dad, a.k.a. Gerald McRaney, was, named yes. to, was married to a woman named Moonchild. Is that what we're supposed to believe in this movie? He seems too, like, stuffy for that, doesn't he? Yeah. Tammy. Tammy Stornock. Oh, gosh. So I'll probably tweet about this podcast when it's released. So, Tammy, I'm sorry. I got your name wrong when I first. <laughs> but I, we also got to get a Labyrinth versus NeverEnding Story poll going here. so sweet, though. I love her. So don't get me wrong. I think that NeverEnding Story is probably a better made movie all around, but... Man, I like the songs in Labyrinth are really good. The puppeteer, like that has some of the strangest puppeteering. There's that scene where she falls down the door and it's just all hands forming yeah. faces with their hands the and talking to like, There's some trippy shit in Labyrinth. David Bowie's <laughs> crotch. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, the yeah. most impressive puppet Jim Henson's ever put together, to be fair. But oh like, I, I adore I adore Labyrinth. Labyrinth is great. Yeah, that's a good one. I think they're equally good, like I said, for different reasons. I mean, the soundtrack to Neverending Story is really good, too. It was funny. I was my friend Stephanie Prisman, when she got married, she had this really cool like DJ DJing the whole reception, including when we were just having dinner. And he like threw in some of the. You know, like the the score from the movie, and you're like, oh my god! You're going while you're eating, like, and I'm like, oh my god, that's right. The score is really good too. It's very whimsical. I just the day before, or two days before we're recording this, I DJed my best friend's wedding for him, and on the playlist was the newfound glory version of the never ending story theme oh, yeah. for during dinner. So I played all two minutes and 17 seconds of that at why, some point. Why during the would wedding. you play the newfound glory version? That just, was just, his request. Just a question. Why request. would you play the actual 
version. I <laughs> queued up the actual one in case he made a typo, and then I checked. He's like, "Now we just really like the the newfound glory cover." Wow! It's like, all okay. right, this guy, this guy that was DJing <laughs> DJing Stephanie's wedding, he was like mixing everything all together. It was very fancy what he was doing, but it was cool. It was really cool. So I love Labyrinth too for different reasons. There, I think there's like. Frank Oz or some sort of puppeteering going on in Neverending Story as well. And it had to have been, I don't know, maybe not ILM. I feel like but anything with puppets, they had to pull from some of the Henson, Henson company. Yeah, because yeah. you've got Falcor and you've got the ancient one that looks like a giant turtle. The rock eater. Uh, the <laughs> oh, rock yeah. biter. He's amazing. Yeah. I love that rock biter. He's so sweet. Did you ever see the really bad third Neverending Story movie There's with Jack third Black? one? No, the third no. one where Jack Black is the bully. No, and and Rockbiter has a son, and they have a whole sequence where they sing "Born to Be Wild." I <laughs> that's a hard pass for me. It's um, awful. I'm ready to start on my on my uh, Never Ending Story four script. You've con- you've convinced <laughs> me. I'm ready. <laughs> two so, two was the worst thing I've ever seen. Two, I have yeah. it. I'm looking two at. Two is awful. Yeah, and I have a a two pack that I bought at like Walmart in a five dollar bin like fifteen <laughs> years ago that has one and two. Why would you put two in a package with one? Is the question? Yeah, I don't remember a ton from the Neverending Story two, but like I remember how disappointed I was when I watched it. And you know, you can bring me in with Jonathan Brandis. I'll I like him. I'll go in there and, and check that out. But it was such a bummer. That kid from Neverending Story, did he ever make another movie? Let me look. I have the IMDb up right I wonder now. if he did. Bastion. Bastion, Barrett, yeah. Barrett Oliver, he looks like he has done some like production work, and he was in Cocoon in 88. Oh, and right. Cocoon, oh, Cocoon, the return in Cocoon in 85. I don't see a whole lot after that. So Dang. maybe not. Not even After in, that emotional performance? I mean, he did like some location managing in 2001. Wow. Maybe, for, maybe acting just wasn't for him. Like he's a good actor for sure, but maybe he was just like, nah, I like the behind the scenes stuff more. Or maybe he just knew he couldn't top that performance. Maybe he was one and done. <laughs> Peace, I'm out. I made the never ending story. People are going to watch this movie forever and talk about it forever and make references to, to it forever. So look, Bringing it back around to this song, <laughs> I feel like right. we're we're getting out we're getting out in the woods a little bit here. This song is one of those songs, which I talked to you guys about this before, but along the lines of the Ducktales theme song or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, or maybe even Inspector Gadget, where I like to pretend that it's just a song and there's no. <laughs> There's no show or movie that has anything to do with it. It just it, could you imagine if DuckTales was just a song that I wrote and I showed to you guys and you're like, wait a minute, what? What are you are you saying <laughs> DuckTales? And that yeah, yeah, DuckTales, of course. <laughs> this song, whereas those songs are very specific, this song actually kind of you know, if there wasn't a movie called Neverending Story, it still could kind of work. When I'm looking at the lyrics, you know, I mean, a never ending story that could just be the referencing, I don't know, the history of humankind or something or the history of imagination or something. Mm -hmm. Because you look at the lyrics, it's turn around, look at what you see in her face, the mirror of your dreams, make believe I'm everywhere, given in the light written on the pages is the answer 
to a never-ending story. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the never-ending story. I think it's ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. it does say ah. Uh. I remembered it as oh. But it was written for the movie. It was not written by Lamal, though, who is um, a.k.a. Chris Hamill. It was written by Keith Forsey and Giorgio Moroder. Sorry, Giorgio. Apparently, he... Giorgio was one that wrote like uh, some stuff for Donna Summer, and mm. I think he, yeah, he wrote Flash, the Flashdance theme, theme song, and Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. No. Yes. Are you serious? Says. That's what it says. I mean. Whoa. That's pretty I awesome. Got, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So he just performed it, but he, I mean, he did a great job. And I think actually one of the other cool things that I read was that the woman who sang backup with him, Beth, Beth Anderson. Anderson. I was about to say, we need to give her a shout out because for the longest time, I just thought this was a female singer because I felt like her vocals are so much more prominent mm -hmm. in my head throughout most of the song. And she didn't even get a credit. And she wasn't song. in the music video. The, no. There was another woman that lip synced to her part. Yeah, the they video. grabbed a random backup dancer from his touring band and made her the female vocalist in the music video. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, you know what? I, I get it as an indie filmmaker. When you got to get something shot, you got to get a shot. If Beth wasn't there, you know what I mean? You just kinda yeah. got to work with what you have. But but yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Oh, and the other thing that I learned, the way that the song fades in and fades out is also supposed to represent that it's never ending because it just keeps oh, going. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs> that song, that's some good songwriting right there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this song, what, this song peaked at number 17 on June 15th of 1985. And man, oh man, the charts were packed full of songs from movies at that time. Because at that time, the number three song, which I can't believe this song was number three, was Axel F from Beverly Hills Cop, which was an instrumental. Chris, I think that song made it to number one. Wow. <laughs> I think it yeah. I think the Beverly Hills cop popularity pushed that song all the way to the top spot at one point. That's interesting. I wonder how many instrumental soundtrack score songs made it to number one because I don't know how many it's definitely Harold Faltermeyer's only <laughs> only hit single. <laughs> yeah, and, and also there's that and also don't you forget about me. Simple mm -hmm. Minds was number 18, was one spot below that at the time, which I'm sure that song went higher too. This it was it was on it its did. way down. It okay. it peaked at number one as well, and this was on its like farewell tour. But written as, by uh, the same guy. He just had two songs passing in the night on the Billboard charts. Good for that's, him. That's crazy. We don't know this guy's name until now. This guy had such an impact on the charts in the 80s, yet we're just learning his name right now. We can't even pronounce it. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it's it just I keep getting messed up by the last name because that makes me think of Mordor's map from like Harry Potter or Mount Doom and Mordor from, you know, I got fantasy right. on the brain. This was also the uh, the year of Tears for Fears, because at the time that this peaked at 17, the number one song in America was Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. But for the entire year of 1985, the number one song of the year was Shout by Tears for Fears. So this was this was definitely Tears for Fears' big year as well. I love them. That's wonderful. <laughs> wow. 1985 was pretty awesome. You had all these like 
puppet fantasy movies. So Matt would bid in his glory. Absolute glory. Don't don't even talk about puppets or Muppets around Matt. <laughs> Gets a little excited. I love Muppets too. I love Muppets yeah. too. I get it, Matt. On top of that, Tears for Fears are dominating the charts. That's awesome. This is Back to the Future. This is Back to the I was, Future. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking the same thing. Yeah, so there probably was some uh, Huey Lewis on the chart somewhere too then, right? Yeah. Don't you forget about me's on the charts. So that must mean that Breakfast Club is 1985 right yeah man good times good times in the 80s i I don't know i i like i think of this time a lot i I think of like hair metal and stuff but i guess that was a few years later before things got ruined by that (laughs) you know because at this time at this time the music seems cool the movies seem weird and cool and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It seems it yeah. seems like a decent time to me. I don't know if the hair metal was infiltrated. I feel like it was around. But yeah, like I would say by the time you get to 87, that's when it was like Poison and White right. Lion and, you know, what is it? Warrant yeah. and it right. got pretty. I'd, I'd say right, right now in 1985, probably like Brett Michaels is stumbling out of the theater after seeing Never Ending Story or Back to the Future and is like, I got an idea for a song and he like sits down and starts writing like talk dirty to me or something <laughs> like okay. like it's it's just it's just about to happen but it hasn't quite happened or maybe yet. a maybe a monster ballad or something you know right. I got to say I I I'm not going to I'm not going to hate on a little GNR though I do enjoy Guns N' Roses every now and then I you feel know. like they barely count. They barely count as hair metal. Oh, I get you. I get you. Because they weren't doing like the full-blown spandex makeup, like New York Dolls inspired vibe. They were just kind of plugging in, chugging a bottle of whiskey on stage <laughs> and and just ripping through tunes. But man, their new song sucks. I'm not yeah. sure if you heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I haven't. Really bad. I haven't. But now I will it's, go and listen. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 20. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. 
It's if you thought Chinese democracy was the worst that you were going to get out of Guns and Roses, they got a they got a surprise for you with their new song. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what yeah. a bummer! I hate that. Yeah, Matt, I gotta admit something to both of you. I did not dig further into Lamal's solo material before this episode. I should have put it on while I was getting sweaty on the treadmill, but I I didn't. Did either of you listen to any of his other songs? I am embarrassed to say that I didn't. So we're relying on that. I've just so the the answers (laughs) the answers no, but also the flip side of that is based on his chart sales. No one listened to the other songs that he had to offer. His Spotify plays, his top five Spotify plays, are four versions of Never Ending Story, and. Uh, a song that charted at peaked at 52 on the billboard charts when it was released uh, called only the love uh, or only for love. I think he did well in the UK. If I read correctly, like he had, I think even never ending story was a number one in the UK and in other parts of Europe. Actually it charted its lowest in the States, which is weird because it was, you know, an American movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's really strange. But his sales were never anything incredible. It's honestly like he seems like he's a happy guy, but like there wasn't a whole lot. It was like he he put out this song and it was really big. So he finally put out his his solo album and no one bought it. And then he put out two more albums and no one bought it. And pretty much since 1990, his entire career has been appearing on like retro shows performing this or too shy <laughs> like yeah no and i think he actually tours sometimes with like 80s uh nostalgia type band i i, I saw yeah. that somewhere i read i can't remember who he was who he had toured with you you touched on something important lamal's happiness is very important to me yeah and and as long as he's happy or at least seems happy then i'm happy his hit does live on lamal's legacy lives on thanks to a little show called Stranger Things. It got a revitalization in the past few years. Young kids now listen to this song, like this song. I've seen little kids listening to this and liking it and actually listening to Gaten Matarazzo's version of this song. I've talked to you guys about this off mic, but my bandmate in Punchline, Steve, at some point has played a show with that kid's band. <laughs> I would say Lamal owes a great deal to Gaten Matarazzo for bringing new life to this song and maybe putting a few bucks in Lamal's pocket. So sure. I actually I actually have some fun information about that very topic. Lamal has given a huge shout out to Netflix. He said that Netflix has single-handedly revived his career because the inclusion of this song in Stranger Things saw on Spotify 825% increase on the streams YouTube reported an 800% increase on the views of the original music video. Almost the exact same thing happened to him a year prior when they included the song Too Shy on Black Mirror episode that they had produced. So wow. he, he said, Netflix is keeping my career alive, but he didn't even know that the song was going to be in Stranger Things until his nephews showed him a clip of it happening. That's so. not what I read. I read that he told his nephew while he was driving down the road that, oh, I think my song's going to be in something called Stranger Things. And his nephew freaked out and said, 
that's amazing. That's huge. The the wiki page, yours is probably a better source because the wiki page is never a good source. The wiki page said he didn't even, he wasn't even aware of it until his nephew showed him the clip on YouTube. I feel like, I mean, maybe if he had a lot of songs that he wouldn't know because of like his publisher would be so busy, but he only has really a couple of them. So I don't know. Well, I like, was wondering because you said he didn't write it. So would they even really yeah. need to go through him at all for anything or would it just be through know. the songwriters and the guys who did all the music it seems like he was a hired gun to sing you know what i mean but like I'm, I'm trying to remember did they actually play the actual track too after he after gaten sang it did they if they played the actual track then yes i think as he started to sing it the music started to swell underneath yeah. him and then it was like a sing-along mm. yeah so who knows i right. mean i i know i i haven't classic scene in the- regardless yeah i <laughs> I know, I mean, and you probably know better than any of us, Chris, but like, I, I know this one guy who co-wrote I Will Survive and and a few other like really huge Motown things like when he was part of like some like songwriting machine back in the day. And, right. And he will every now and then he'll just get like these giant checks and he doesn't even know where they're coming from until he reads what it's for. So and sometimes it's like sampling from like rappers and things like that. And right. I always well, that's, that yeah, that's where the money is. That's where the money is for sure. I think Chris and I talked about this last time I was in Pittsburgh, but I, I always remember uh, I'm friends with the guitarist of this band, Goaty Hook. Every once in a while, he'll post a picture that will just be a check from MTV for about a dollar fifty cents, and it, <laughs> he always just says, "Looks like they replayed the episode of Road, Road Rules that features one of my songs." And I think nice. I think yeah. there was something similar that you had, Chris, with with in Van Wilder. Two. Oh yeah, those Van Wilder two checks. They they're like what seventy five <laughs> cents every time it's yeah. on Comedy Central yeah. or something. Yeah, something like that. I got really excited a few weeks back because I got a I got an envelope from SAG after, and I was like, "What is this?" I opened it up, and it was like a European royalty check for a Lifetime movie I did like ten years ago, and I was it was like forty bucks, but I was like, ah. <laughs> cool i put the gas in my car you know it was a yeah it wasn't like the five cent ones that some you know some people because yeah actors we the same thing happens with actors too you get like uh, checks for five cents and what are you gonna do with that yeah i mean i've gotten the checks for eight cents before but also to heidi's point i have gotten the ascap checks that were like 120 Mm dollars and i'm like nice <laughs> yeah. you know it's just it's like, a nice surprise it's just like, yeah it's like a magic little envelope of money that i get every once in a while and yeah you get, get groceries one time or yeah, something yeah it's kinda, exactly it's kind of nice and i know you could com- people could complain about it only being that much but hey i'll never complain about free money no but when we're talking about uh the never-ending story i want to bring it back to the movie for a second because i feel like this gives us a chance to talk about the movie we all are in agreement that we love this movie, right? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. If this movie came out right now or we saw it for the first time right now, would we love it? I think, I think so. I, I think I would. The 80s were probably the top point in doing like kids movies that really didn't even remotely talk down to kids. So I think that if it was exactly how it was now, you'd look at it through the same lens that you'd look at like a Pixar movie where you're like, man, this movie's not shying away from like what it's saying in a deeper way. I think the 90s were really bad with kids movies being watered down for kids. Give me an example. I, I just think that like, 
the 90s, the late 80s and the 90s, you're starting to get like the Care Bears movie, like Fern Gully. Like you're getting these movies where I like them, but they're very, they're, they're not really designed with the mindset of like, anyone of any age is going to be able to enjoy this and pull like a message out of it. Like, it's like, no, this is definitely, we're talking down to the kids about what we're trying to, I, Fern Gully's not even the best example. Cause it's like no. actually talking about like environmentalism. Yeah. But, but there was like a period, even like Disney got real bad towards like the late nineties after like they had that second Renaissance peak where they just started to like phone it in again. <laughs> like home on the range comes to mind is like a really bad one. I think I would like it. The only thing I would be in my mind, I wonder if they made the, if they made never ending story now, would they have used as many practical effects? Because I think the practical effects are actually the best part. All the puppeteering and stuff. Would Falcor have been CG? I'm assuming of... Chris is saying that we get the movie exactly as it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah okay. We get it exactly okay. as it is, but yeah, I'm surprised they haven't tried to do that yet. They haven't they tried to remake this movie yet. I think stranger things is good. It is. You know, I I mean, I think, you know, sometimes I'm like, eh, the story's not the the best, but I, I'm entertained the whole time. I think it's good. And people will argue. Then I'll watch other things that come out. I'll give you a perfect example. And I saw a bunch of people saying like, oh, this was so good. And I put on this, <laughs> I put on this Fear Street Oh, it was kind of dumb. That was trash. Yeah. <laughs> that was pure trash. That was so poorly made and poorly written and like, why did people like that and say it was good? Because I was ready to be like, oh, this is going to be like a whatever, campy, but still good. It was thing. Riverdale. But no, it was just bad. It was just, I didn't watch it. was it. just Riverdale as a wow. horror series. Yeah, you don't need to. I even <laughs> thought Riverdale was okay. I'm kind of on the same page as you, Chris, though, as Stranger Things, because people were just like, this is so good. And I was like, it's really, yeah, it's good. You know, like I was never <laughs> yeah, it's good. completely blown away by it, but I was like, yeah, it's compelling. I, I definitely want to see what happens. But. I, I don't get all, all excited, but I think it's good, though. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see the, the merit in it mm-hmm. being a thing that, you know, for kids, but also adults can appreciate or whatever. But, uh, yeah, some things I just I don't I can't get past the the stupidness of it. That Fear Street <laughs> being one of those things. Uh, anyway, that, that back to, to this song. I don't know what to think about Lamal. It seems like he was two for two as far as the songs that I know, you know, he had yeah. his moment for sure. Yeah, that I, I still kind of go back to wondering about that press release that he put out after he got kicked out of the band, though. And like, it makes me go, oh, you know, in the entertainment industry, there are a lot of narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, like, uh, well, there are a lot of people with narcissistic personality disorder. I'm like, is he one who has that? I don't know. Like it could, you know, anyone in the band could have something like that. But I would say, especially in 1983, when we weren't acknowledging that that was a thing, he yeah. almost definitely had one. <laughs> Lead <laughs> like... singers, man. No, but not all of them. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's hit or miss. The same thing with actors and actresses. And he actually got his start as an actor. Uh, oh, before he, did. he started doing music, he did a tour. Was it Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Is Joseph that the and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat by so Andrew he did Lloyd a, Webber. He did a tour of England with that and appeared in a few TV shows and was even an extra in the music video for Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants before Look he got you. his start in music. Look at you with all your trivia. My goodness, I didn't know that. I didn't think that it was one guy at first. I thought it was like 
at least. I thought it was kind of like Roxette or something. Yeah. It was like two people. Until I did the research, it didn't even click in my head that his stage name is literally just an anagram of his last name, Hamill. I'm just catching up with you now <laughs> that you say that. <laughs> yeah, his, it was, his real name is Christopher Hamill, and he just took his last mm-hmm. name and rearranged the letters and said, Lamal, that's more marketable than Hamill. No offense, Mark. <laughs> yeah, he don't want to. He don't want to compete with Mark. Yeah, this was not. This was not a time in history where you wanted to be competing with that guy. Definitely not. Definitely. Not. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we giving? Are, are we giving Lamal a thunder pass here? Or is this a blunder? I don't know. I. It's, uh, for the song. We didn't dig, none of us dug into the rest none of the of song. Us dug That's into the problem. But you know, it, even ignoring the back catalog, there's been a handful of songs, Chris, where you and I have just been like. Just the the fact that he got this one out there, but oh man, no, because then the flip side is he had nothing to do with it beyond, you know what, I'm actually, (laughs) so the song Never Ending Story, I'm saying Thunder All The Way. Lamal though, I'm going Blender here. He didn't write the song. I still think that the female vocals by Beth Anderson are more predominant in the actual mix than his actual vocals. And he really didn't do much with his career after this. I mean, I haven't listened to his other songs, but like even then, I feel like this song is more of a Beth Anderson song written by somebody else. Oh, man. Wow. I'm kind of in agreement with you, but I, I, you know, I completely forgot that that was part of what you guys do for this thing is. Is like listening to the other songs too. So I. Well, we didn't do it either. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I think Neverending Story is a great song, and it wouldn't sound the same without him. And who? I mean, how? We don't know. Yeah, of course he didn't write it, but how involved was he with the producing of it? You know, I don't know who produced it. You know, and and uh, mm. the arrangements and things. Also, I need to give a shout out to the sitar in there because I don't know if it's an actual sitar. If it's just a synthesizer but i love that little part how why is that fantasy ish i don't know but it's awesome i think matt has a pretty good point here and heidi i would guess that this entire thing now this is unfair of me maybe (laughs) to assume this but i would assume that lamal just came in and sang this thing oh snap and if i'm wrong if i'm proved wrong then I will reverse my position. But I think I got to go with Matt on this, that this song is thunder all the way. Mm. Big props to whoever these guys are. Yeah, Giorgio and and Keith. Beth Anderson. Beth Anderson, like Matt said. Mm -hmm. But Lamal seems to not be that important in this. And maybe they were just being like, Lamal had that too shy. It's probably still being played on the radio. It's like a year and a half later. The song was a hit. They were just trying to, they wanted to put a face to it. They needed some sort of name attached to this song from this soundtrack to this strange puppet fantasy movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, they weren't going to get John Cougar Mellencamp to do it. They weren't getting Springsteen to do it. Uh, they had to get someone attached to it with some sort of notoriety. And I think Lamal was just the guy at that moment. He had just been kicked out of his band. And... Yeah, I think that Lamal is a blunder, but I think the song is a thunder. Uh, I just confirmed. So Giorgio did produce as well as write the song. Okay. Okay. Um, And also just throwing this out there, clicked into his page just out of curiosity. uh, Since we were talking about, man, this Giorgio guy seems seems like he is 
someone that we should know more of. He actually has been given the nickname the father of disco. That's cool. Because he wrote many songs for Donna Summer, including I Feel Love, The Last Dance, Hot Stuff, Bad Girls, and MacArthur Park. He's awesome. He's the magic behind the song. You could have grabbed any vocalist from another one-hit wonder new wave band, and I feel like I'd still be like, never-ending story rips. I, I, I hate to do that to Lamal, but I, I think that I'm going to do that to Lamal. Did you, look, did you watch <laughs> yeah. the music video, too? He kind of has the David Bowie like uh, labyrinth hairdo so, in it. So <laughs> if Jonathan was here... Because I don't know who this person is. <laughs> um, and I don't think any of us read comics on the level that uh, Jonathan does. But uh, I did read that Lamal was the inspiration for the Marvel X-Men character wow. Longshot. Okay. Uh, specifically in the way he styles his hair. All right, so he did have some sort okay. of impact, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Lamal. We love you, Lamal. Oh, no. <laughs> We do. We do. Lamal's going to be so pissed when he listens to this episode. Because <laughs> he's totally yeah, going to listen yeah. to it's it. Because it's going to be a total bait and switch. It's going to be 35 minutes of us being like, man, Lamal's great. And then it comes time to talk about one hit wonder, one hit blunder. And we're like, you know what? Fuck Lamal. You know what, though? Like, no, I think, he, I think he is great. I don't know. He is. But... Give any of us the success of Too Shy and then Never Ending Story. And I think right? that we could have followed that up with some more hits. That's all I'm saying. Since he was gifted never-ending story, the skies <laughs> yes. opened up and said, you, sir, are going to be the one to ride this train yeah. <laughs> to the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now I wish I had done even more research than I did. Lamal, well, you're a blunder. I still love the song. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Heidi, while, while we have you on here, though, Heidi, obviously you've got a short film that's continuing to yeah. pop up and play at different film festivals and... You know, get constant. You won some awards recently in North Carolina, I believe. Is South that correct? Carolina, South Carolina. Yes. One of the Carolinas. I was close. I could have said Georgia. Well, the one that I'm from. The <laughs> South Carolina. The only the one, one that, that matters, I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm only giving Matt a hard time because we've been friends for a while. So <laughs> He deserves a hard time. Yes. Thank you for bringing up the film. It's called Chasing Fletcher Allen. It's, yeah, it's doing yeah, it's doing well. Uh, the festivals that it plays, it usually gets some recognition. And we won Best Short Film at the um, Reedy Reels Film Festival in Greenville, South Carolina, which is my hometown. The cool part was that the people running the festival didn't know who I was or anything like from before. So it was pretty cool to, to be able to come back and showcase it. And we won we won Best Comedy Short at uh, Lady Filmmakers Festival. And Phil Lamar, who's in our film, won best supporting actor and i've gotten a few best actress nominations so it's fun yeah it's it's cool yeah jonathan directed it and co-wrote it with me and we produced it together nice. but i also i'm a singer I, I don't like write songs and stuff so i feel like i'm kind of qualified to be on this show sort of i've done a lot of musical theater and stuff so do you think you could have done a good as good a job as beth anderson Ooh, i don't know you know i think my voice is a little higher than hers but maybe if i you know I met with my coach and trained a little nice. bit and yeah, nice. yeah, I would have tried, but her performance was really yeah. good and it wouldn't have sounded the same. It wouldn't, it would have been, it would have sounded like my right. voice instead of right. her voice. Oh, wait, wait, did you give, did you give Lamal, did you, you gave Lamal a thunder? 
Or did you say he's... Did yeah. I? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I need more information. Okay. I don't want to say... <laughs> undecided. You know, I don't You're know. Undecided. Yeah, I, I definitely give the song a thunder. Okay. We all give the song a thunder. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Yeah, but as far as Lamal goes, I don't want to... I, I would need to see more evidence before I make my decision. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's You're a hung and jury it, when it comes to yeah, Lamal. Indeed. <laughs> well, in, Yes. Oh. In, clo- in closing, I would like to tell you, Heidi, well, that I hope you reach the stars, fly a fantasy, dream a dream, and what you see will be. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheat and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing No Stopping Us off the Punchline album Thrilled. Visit punchline.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.